Hi and welcome to episode 7 of the Evolving Media Podcast, where we navigate our way forward in the ever-changing world of media to talk about the best ways to create and produce and engage with audiences in the future. In today's podcast, I'm joined by Thomas Lind, executive producer for development and online at the Swedish public service broadcaster SVT. I worked with him previously at the Finnish YLE, where he's held the position as head of development as well as head of programs for their online services. He's always had a keen mind for engaging with audiences, something that's been shining through in the development work he's done. The documentary project Breaking the Cycle that he developed and produced together with John Stark became the most widely distributed Wiley documentary ever, as everyone from Deutsche Welle to Netflix picked it up in 2017. A lot of the success can be directly contributed to fairly ingenious ways of bringing the audience along on the road from an early stage of the project's process. Today we'll talk about that project, about the future of media, the role of public service and a lot more. Welcome. So, Thomas, thanks a lot for agreeing to to uh, appear on this podcast. Let me just uh, ask you a question. How has the new year started for you? <laughs> Hi, Simon. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been, you know, a couple of days off work. And, you know, when you relax and the body relaxes, you, you usually catch a little flu. Yes. So that is exactly what has happened. But overall, it's been a great start to 2019. Hopefully a great year for everyone listening and you, Simon. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's let's fingers crossed that it'll be a good year. I, I have a feeling it will be. Now listen, you've been in the media industry for decades. You've been working with television, you've been working with radio, you've been working with online, and um, most of that time for public service broadcasters in Finland and nowadays in Sweden. And you've always had a since I've known you, you always had a, a strong feeling for engaging with the audiences and trying to figure out how what audiences actually want out of the content that you produce. How would you how would you say that your approach to audiences have evolved over the years you've been working? I'd I'd say that the for every year really the audience have become much more important in all stages of a product or project or or a show. The early stages of an idea in development during production and publishing and marketing, of course, as well. And um, for me, it's really the, the I noticed rather early on how much there really is to gain to be very open with what you are doing, open with the needs that you have identified to communicate with the people who actually might benefit the outreach and be invested in your idea at an early stage. And for me, really, the only the only way to get people to to feel that they are a part of something is to have them as a part of something. And not only when you need them, that is when you are closing up on a premiere or it's going to be released, you need the audience. But the relationship with the audience need to be constructed and, and created much, much earlier. And really, when the idea first arrives, you really need to start to think, where are the people that actually might be interested in them. Are they gathering online already somewhere? Can I try to become a part of the community, add something of value, discuss with them, communicate with them? Because at some point in in the project, you are going to need the core group of strong allies, ambassadors that are working for your story. When people are today choosing for themselves, a lot of the 
interest is, is being gained on social media by people talking about stuff, you really need to have the ambassadors working for the story and promoting your story to get an outreach. And you also need to be ready to compromise with your own vision and change it if, it, if you need to, if the core audience feels something else is more important. So for me, it's, it's gradually developed into a very natural way of developing and producing content that you really need to have the audience with you from day one. If you are you want to use them later or have them as an audience or ambassadors, you really need to invite them early on. But that feels, I guess that feels a bit scary to people as well. I mean, there are many things that could go from a producer's or a creator's point of view, uh, in quotation marks, wrong. You know, it could be people disagreeing with your vision, which some people obviously and most probably will do. It, there's also the question of people stealing your ideas and going off to produce something on their own. How do you, how do you feel about such uh, fears that people might have? It's a very different way of working. That that's true, and it's. Um, I think we have a tradition in you know broadcasting media uh, <laughs> that that we are in a way the lone storyteller. That we are the one with the vision, and we have the story, and we're going to work on it. You know, behind locked doors, and when I'm ready, I'm gonna I'm gonna show the world what I found. And of course, that is one way of, of conducting work and I, I think in investigations and investigative journalism and, and news for example it might be of value to hold your cards close to the chest but in the in the genres that I've been working with factual cultural events cross media it's it's really something that you if you you can't hold the cards close to the chest and you need to be open and you need to invite people in and not see say other companies or other publishers as rivals, but try to get meaningful cooperation going that you together can promote the story even more than 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 you can alone. And I think as um, um, a lot of years has been spent developing new content. And I'd say that there's a lot of changes when when I look back 10, 15 years and we, we got an assignment or we had an idea and we started to develop it, we usually looked at how similar shows have done, what are the ratings like, what are the numbers like. If you get a meaningful dialogue with the, with the audience, you can be much more on point in, in what they're actually needing and where, where they are heading and what sort of angles of the stories that they might find interested. I'd say the, the devel development phase today is really finding a great, great need uh, or find some subjects, some some values that people are very interactive with that they are very invested in and they are engaging in these discussions and questions about this subject or these values and then try to become relevant to the community so ask yourself you know are they already gathering somewhere can i be meaningful to them and and after that you start to think about the approach all right what could be my contribution to to this community this discussion and, and in what format and um, that is sort of a new way to think about, you know, scheduling broadcast where we have these slots and we have a mission and you usually start with with some sort of brief that fits the slot and the format and the approach is already set. This is going to be 28 minutes and, and that's that. And, and what happens within those 20 minutes is up to you. So, Thomas, uh, you achieved considerable success with, uh, and I think 
along the lines you were just discussing with Breaking the Cycle, which became the most uh, uh, widely spread documentary of YLE ever at the time. Uh, could you just talk us through that a little bit? How did you approach the project and why did you make the choices you did? And did you actually expect the end result to, to be the one that it, it later became? Uh, I'd say when we do, developed Breaking the Cycle, it was sort of a, the, the story of, of that documentary started years earlier in 2010, 2011, I think, when we did a show called The Norden, where one episode was focused on incarceration and prisons and and uh, but the, the the way we developed both the show and, and later the documentaries is pretty much the same we started with I, I real the realization that that there was a lot of meaningful there was a lot of debate there was a lot of discussion about incarceration online a lot of the, the people online were were talking about the purpose of a prison and what it should be some of them were looking at the Nordic countries for answers. And uh, it was a very heated subject and it, it, it was very polarized. And it was a great playing field for a story there. Could we add some new insight, some actual new value? Can we add something new knowledge to this ongoing discussion that we knew people were very invested in? So so we tried to do that and, and we find an approach that, that worked and we did a lot of different formats we built a story world with a lot of you know extra material extra stories a lot of subjects that we opened up even more for people who were engaged and wanted to know even more so i i'd say the observation of the discussion what the discussion was lacking finding an approach that sort of filled the gap and having you know done the research so we knew exactly you know where are people discussing what forums what facebook groups where are the big accounts online bloggers journalists that are invested in this in this incarceration subject and um, getting them to help us reach out so um, and and we managed to do that it it, it did very well and i, I think it's it's um, as you said it's the, at the time, the sales department said it was the biggest distribution ever for YLE. So, so I mean, you have to be surprised by that. I would, however, credit the outreach and, and the success of the show to the work we did in inviting people in. That, that we made versions of the documentary that was very easy for different formats, in, in, very different, in many different formats for different forums and platforms and people so they could use it easily to, to drive the message forward and share it on and, and use it, you know, in a, in a very convenient way. So without the work that we did uh, with the audience and, and really trying to pinpoint the needs that the discussion we're having and the subject had, I think we wouldn't have reached outside of the Nordic countries. So I'm very happy with that. I did not really expect the success, I'd say, not on the, on the scale that that it is still today, two years after the premiere, it's still being used by universities and Department of Corrections inside prisons where they arrange screenings to, to have a discussion about what would be the purpose of, of this, what we are doing in here and inviting the public in to have meaningful debates. So that is I'd say the longevity of the, of, the, of the documentary has surprised me that it still it still feels relevant, although it was you know focused to a very ongoing discussion years ago. It is still providing value and it's still used by people who find the documentary important. And 
that is that is that is lovely and that, that is something that I can be very surprised by but very proud of as well. Did you approach this with you know great flexibility in mind with regards to you and your connection to the audiences were, were, you, were you anticipating the need to be flexible regarding uh, output or was it a question of you having prepared so many different versions for so many different uh, audience segments that you already had the flexibility built into what you were releasing I think there was a there was a certain amount of flexibility we knew that one of the main products would be a 58-minute documentary. That was, you know, set in stone, and that was something that we were aiming for. We did a community announcement to the people who we already had been interacted with uh, that we are about to do a documentary. It's going to be released next year, and uh, we are about to start shooting, and, and we asked them for input. Some of the input resulted in content that ended up in the documentary, and some other comments led to to the things that we didn't know but when we reached researched them we knew that all right this is this is a story that needs to be included so we had a lot of help then we we followed a very we tried our main scheduling or publishing plan was really two months we tried to have a two-month period with the premiere that included a lot of sub stories that that went out so we'd we have a window of 60 days or something when we knew that there was new content coming up out from us. There was going to be debate, dialogue, but the formats were, I, I'd say we we chose the communities and the people that we noticed that these are the ones that are most engaged in this and they are going to need formats like this and, and they these sort of subjects would be of extra interest to them. So there, So there was a lot of flexibility and it really needs to be because when you are providing something that is going to end up online on, a, on, on as a YouTube link or, or whatever, people are going to choose it. So they, they, they need to be very focused, very tailor-made to the discussions that are happening right there at the forums that you've chosen. So, so they, you know, they feel like part of, of, of the debate that you've been included in and, and where you have some sort of presence already. So... The direct contact from you as a producer to the people who actually are invested in what you are doing, uh, that needs to be tailor-made. So it, so it really feels like it's from you to them, which it is. And it's a bit of a trial and error process, I guess. It's a Absolutely, it's, absolutely. I mean, our traditional trailer online for the documentary did very poorly. It was not, you know, well, well received. I mean, it was a great trailer. The, the people who saw it liked it, but it never had any... It never accelerated. It never. It never got a great number of views. And and one of the reasons might be that it was tailor made for broadcast. It was really a very simple, very anonymous, very traditional TV trailer that didn't really meet anyone's need online. It was just sort of an announcement that there's a documentary. So it's trial and error. And uh, online, it's it's really you know it's it's a, it's a brutal world. <laughs> People are going to press play on tape if they think it's it's of value of them, and and if they don't, they are not going to bother. So one of the ways to avoid mistakes is really to be interactive, be inclusive, try to engage, try to get a, a stronger connection and a, and a trust built up with the people who you think are going to like what you are doing. So just following up on that, since this is a podcast series that is aimed at uh, 
creators and producers and people who are looking at the way the world of media is changing and where we might be heading heading and where we might end up and how we can make the most out of the possibilities. How to set about to lay the foundation if you start out with something, if it's a television series, if it's a book, if it's a documentary film or something else, where to start? I would say that the way that we are trying to develop stuff today and uh, the things that I feel are important ones to consider, at least, when the idea arrives, you need to keep it very open uh, as a producer or, or, I mean, anyone really, you know, you find something you think this would end up as a great documentary series or, or whatever. I know from experience that I have a tendency and it's very easy to lock your idea in, that you get the idea and you think that, all right, this is it. This is what it's going to be. And then you have to break that down in order to, to get to a different approach that might be better. Uh, I'd say that today you need to be even more forgiving with that the idea is going to change a lot. And uh, the idea itself usually has some sort of subject connected to it. It's it's of value. It promotes some sort of message that, that you feel is important. Traditionally, you move on. Uh, you do a verification of the need that this certainly exists. We can point to data points or, or you know whatever and say that yes this is a need that really does exist and and it's meaningful to 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 do something about it i think the verification phase needs to be longer today that you need to really go and find the audience online get them to verify it to really see that all right what are the hotspots? where are the networks of people who are actively working and trying to to drive the same message as, as the, the, the documentary or the idea that you have and find the important people. I, I'm, I wouldn't call them influencers because they don't need to be influencers, but they have to be people that are bloggers or politicians or, you know, ordinary people that are active online in some way and very invested in, in what you are about to do and try to invite them in. And the verification really comes from after that discussion with the communities, with the people who might actually think this is valuable. After that, you can move on to, okay, what sort of an approach would be the most beneficial one for us to use where our end product is a broadcast? And what sort of story world should we construct together with the the show in broadcast in order so all these allies get what they need? So really looking at, you know, not you being the centerpiece of the product or the project, but a part of something greater, a part of a network that together all try to drive this message. And after that, you can start to think about, okay, my piece, what should that be? But it's, uh, I think the verification and the communication and trying together with the community that actually feels it's important, together with them construct the publishing plan, that is something that is time consuming, that is not a, the traditional way to develop, but highly valuable and, and can yield great results. I mean, it's, a, it's going to be a challenge for a lot of creators. But Absolutely. I agree. I agree. It's, it's well worth it if you can manage it. One, one final question, Thomas. Where do you see where, where are we heading? What's in store for content creators tomorrow? Uh, do you have a utopian view of the world that it will become this great big 
um, as Jeff Gomez would say, the, the collective journey forward, story-wise, narrative-wise? Or is it a dystopian view of the future that we can't ever get through in the myriad of content that is available to people out there? Or are you somewhere in between? I think I'm I'm somewhere in between, and I can I can speak for public service broadcasting. I, I think when it comes to public service broadcasting, we need to be, and it, it's an age-old discussion, really, that what is public service. And I, but I, I think it's it's becoming more and more relevant for each year that passes because we used to have a very large mission as a public service company in 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 any country, really, that you need to provide something to everyone and that was because there wasn't really any alternatives for people back then there should be something that you with your special interest can find at public service or your special needs uh, we are moving now to, to a myriad of, of stories and perspectives and, and knowledge and uh, what public service should provide in that context is really independence uh, something that that is verified a, a good source of information, a true source of information, but also true value to society because public service is becoming disconnected from broadcast, TV or radio. Uh, in TV, we, we are seeing the broadcast numbers going down in, in really all the age groups up to 60 years. So so uh, we really need to redefine what, what is public service and, and for me, it is adding true value to society. It comes back to the fact that we need to start to talk with the people that we try to provide a service to even more and become a part of society that perhaps we traditionally thought that we don't have to be really. We can be the sole storyteller that is giving out the information, the, the new knowledge and exposing stuff and inspiring people. And uh, a lot we can, a lot of the things that made TV the greatest storyteller for 60 years uh, we can still uh, hold on to but we really need to invent ourselves looking more to what the people actually need in my opinion and 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 providing true value and that really goes to independent producers as well that that they really need to look at the audience need and provide something that is truly meaningful and stay in contact with the audience. That, that for me is that is a huge change, but that is something that that is is for me totally necessary to do, regardless of being a public service or as an independent producer. I think I would subscribe to that future. I think uh, it's a great. Yeah, it, I think it's a great future. It it just changes a lot of things because it it's it's a totally different way to develop, to start a project, and to complete it and publish it. And uh, it's a big change, but I think that is that is the way forward if it's going to be a lucrative one. Uh, it's more challenging, but also potentially much more rewarding. Thomas, thank you very much for joining me for this podcast, and I look forward to, to having you on it uh, at some point in the future as well. I'd love to. Thanks for having me, Simon, and, and uh, a continuous great 2019 to you. Likewise. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.